2: Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: I'm Alison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Christina Dor Drake, CEO and co-founder of Willa's, the only oat milk that uses whole organic oats, making it richer, creamier, more sustainable, and more nutrient dense than any other oat milk on the market. Inspired by her grandma Willa's homemade oat milk recipe, Christina launched Willa's in 2021 with her sister Elena and husband Russell. Willa's is now available in over 250 retail stores, including Erewhon, Foxtrot, and Central Market, and directly online or on Amazon. It's also served in several influential coffee shops around NYC. Welcome, Christina.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Allie. I'm such a huge fan. I'm really happy to be here.
1: I'm so happy you're here. And it's funny because I don't know, oh, I haven't posted it yet. But I have a very special, don't say his name, 200th guest. Um, And I recorded his episode a couple weeks ago. And he mentioned you when he was being interviewed. And then I had just met you the day before because we're doing this panel thing together. And I was like, ah, this is like, you know the force or whatever it is (laughs) telling me that I need to meet this woman and interview her. And I, 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 I've, I've been like watching Willa's and kind of like, Ooh, this looks like a good one um, from afar for a while. So anyway, I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks for, thanks for being here.
3: That's so cool to hear. I'm, now I'm so curious who this guest is. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you after. I'll tell you after. Um, okay. <laughs> yes. The every I'm, you know, I'm, I, it's like 200 episodes is like a big deal. So I kind of need like a splash. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, um, that's quite a so. milestone. I know it's crazy. Um, it's funny because I was just talking about how, I mean, I've never gone back and listened to any of them because you know, no one really, I think likes the sound of their own voice. And I say, you know, a lot and it bugs me, but I (laughs) do know that at the very beginning, you know, here we go. I asked questions like, what are, (laughs) what are sales and what is marketing? Because I really didn't know. And I, I guess I still am trying to figure it out, but it's a little embarrassing. Um, and so just to think about 200 episodes ago not knowing what operations even was is kind of it's it's a sort of nice time capsule for me of actually building this business even though it's a little embarrassing so
3: i mean well thank yeah. you thank you for being down to to put yourself in a vulnerable position ask the questions that we all wonder about as well <laughs> yeah
1: and i you know i i think um we'll get into you now because I think you are also a founder that is comfortable, um, with vulnerability. And, and I think the world needs more of that right now. And I also sort of think that that is the, that's the, uh, a quality that's going to be much more appreciated than let's say it has been in the last several years. So kudos to you. Um, So let's get back to before Willa's, um, I know that you were working in advertising for most of your career. We can talk about some of the lessons you learned from that later. But there was something in 2018 that you decided to do with this, you know, oat milk thing and you quit your day job. And so I guess try to go back if you can to that decision and what, what was the plan? You know, what were you thinking and, and and why?
3: Yeah. Leaving your career when you're established, you're in a leadership role, you're really enjoying it. You're, you know, you're making a, a decent salary. <laughs> I mean, yes. it wasn't, it wasn't an easy why? decision. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but I had this feeling that it was a bigger risk not to give this idea a shot than to try it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I gave myself three months to see how much traction I could get. I was also freelancing for the, the agency that I used to work at. Um, but mostly working on Willows and trying to figure it out, um, with Elena and then pretty quickly Rusty came on board and, yeah I just was looking for signals that we were onto something, and I figured it at three months you know we weren't seeing those signals if it didn't seem like this idea had potential, I could you know go find another another job um but we just kept seeing little signs that really felt like we were onto something and you know back then, you know now a lot of people are talking about health and ingredients and in plant based milks but back then, that wasn't really part of the conversation. And we were just really tired of plant-based milks that were mostly artificial ingredients and, and tons mm-hmm. of sugar. The, the client yeah. that I had been working on was Panera when they took out all the artificials and preservatives from their whole menu item or from wow. their whole menu. So all of their menu items, hundreds of ingredients were being slashed wow. out this whole education on food. And I was shocked to see that these so-called plant-based healthy you know, milks in my fridge had ingredients that were so harmful. Fast food restaurants were taking them out of their menu mm-hmm. items. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my my sister and I really just started with my grandmother's oat milk recipe that was really delicious using real ingredients and, and got to work. And then just kept learning more and more things about the category that we wanted to change and realized we needed to completely redesign the way that oat milk was made in the yeah. process.
1: I mean, I do want to talk about that because I actually, you know, I was going to ask you about this later, but at, you know, at the cooking school, we were um, very early, I mean, I think in like 2014, 2015, we really tried to make our own oat milk. We were uncomfortable buying, you know, when I started in 2012, people were still drinking soy milk and, you know, rice milk was kind of like exotic, Um, But we really wanted to make oat milk. This was before Oatly hit the scene, like gangbusters. Um, And it's, it's really hard. I mean, we had so much waste because we would, you know, squeeze it and basically get the milk, but we had so much extra oat waste. And from my understanding of what you're doing, you're not having all of that waste. And, and so how did you figure that out from a scaling perspective i mean you had to I, I mean i elena you said your your sister is some sort of scientist i think so i mean how long did that yeah. take that must have taken a little while
3: it took a little while i mean we had this idea in 2017 we got to work on it in the summer of 2018 and then kind of full fully went for it in 2019 and mm-hmm. we didn't launch in fully until January 2021. Mm-hmm. Um that story you're telling is is um that's so interesting. Yeah, it it's not easy to make plant-based milks in general and making oat milk is definitely not straightforward.
1: We tried to bake it into cookies. You know, we tried oh, to make really? a face scrub. Yeah, like we really we wow. were like How you were do really we, going for it. We were because, you know, the whole we were we The whole thing was about sustainability. And so we didn't want to have this thing with all of this byproduct that we were just tossing. But, you know, we couldn't figure out how to, what to do with it. And we, and so it is, it's funny because when you're talking about the whole oat, I'm like, I know exactly what she means (laughs) by the whole oat, you know, like we, we have that problem. So tell me, like, Elena, yes, go back to Elena.
3: Yeah. No, she, I mean, she has a, she has a chemical engineering background, which basically means she's got a really strong engineering background and her career has been spent trying to change the food system from the inside out Mm. um, on the co-manufacturing side, optimizing co-manufacturing plants all over the world. And then she brought on Laura, who's a fellow engineer and they're both brilliant Um, Mm. creating an oat milk using the whole oat versus just Highly processed oat sugar, which is what most most oat milks are, uh, which mm-hmm. is why they have so much sugar and not a lot of benefits. Using the whole entire oat was 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 not straightforward. We did a ton of research. It started with Elena and my mom taking my grandmother's recipe and doing hundreds of versions of it, nights mm-hmm. and weekends, just in their kitchen, um, over and over, to use the whole oat and also just to ensure that you know, they were optimizing my grandma's recipe to make sure that it worked really beautifully in coffee as well. Right. And, and so there was that. And then, um, just frankly, fortitude and believing that there had to be a more honest and more sustainable way to go about it. And what's, what's really inspiring about our team is everybody has this attitude that everything is figureout-able mm-hmm. and. You know, I think in the early days, we kind of had to tell ourselves that sometimes, you know, right. like the, when it's really tough in the early days and you're not getting that like that initial like, you know, sales feedback because you haven't even launched yet. But mm-hmm. um, we went through so much in our first few years that I think now I, we have more resilience than probably mm-hmm. a lot of teams that have been around much longer or businesses that are far more established just because, you um, we went through so much and overcame so many challenges in the in the first few years and and figured out things that that no one else in the category um has seems to have even attempted
1: yeah i'm a big believer i i think of it as like you know you're swimming through mud and then all <laughs> of a sudden the mud clears and it's water and you're like oh wait what like this is swimming you know <laughs> i just kind of yes. <laughs> i'm kind of waiting for the mud part to to thin up a little bit but I think that, you know, (laughs) building something that's really hard strengthens a muscle in you that um, makes you very prepared for a lot. And I can't say that I always chose it to be hard. It kind of, I just kind of did something hard, not knowing how hard it was. But I do think that the muscles that we've built, the, you know, the attention to every single thing because every single thing counts when things are really hard um, will serve will serve us and obviously will also serve you well but I want to go back to something you said at the beginning because you were talking about signals and I'm assuming that's because you did have this expertise in advertising and and I guess a little bit of you know culture and where culture sort of intersects with business and people's needs and problems to be solved and all that. And so can you give me an example of, I mean, because you didn't have a product on the market for a few years, you were working on it. So what kind of signals yeah. you, yep. were you seeing and like, where, what made the, like the blinking start a little bit?
3: Um, in those early, early days, those first few months where I was like, okay, Christina, you've got three months, let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And if this is, you know, if this is worth it. And Um, we, we submitted for kind of the, the top food and beverage accelerator program at the time Mm -hmm. we did not have a brand name. We didn't have a product. We didn't have a formulation. (laughs) We had like nothing done, but they were really excited about our idea. We didn't end up Mm -hmm. doing that accelerator, but that was, that was one. Another one was, um, I was asking everyone I knew who knows somebody who's an entrepreneur or started a food or beverage business. And, Um, I I talked to anybody who who would talk to me and a lot of those folks really um, encouraged us. Um, Mm -hmm. Also my, my cousin, Teresa comes from, a merchandising background as a buyer. Well wow, you guys broker.
1: you're you're like the partridge family. This is amazing. <laughs> you have advertising, your sister's a scientist, the other one's a merchandiser. There's gonna be someone well, who plays that was guitar my cousin, but... and like another one with the tambourine and you're like ready to rock and roll. I like I love this. And your husband I mean, like it, yeah. Oh yeah,
3: he's got his own set of skills is he sales? amazing I mean, he sells. Yeah. and yeah, yeah of course he's, that tracks. He's, this is he's amazing a Dale Carnegie Master Trainer. But I mean growing up you know Helena's like you know enjoying calc 5 or whatever and i was like who are you like how are we related and now we're so grateful
1: (laughs) of course i mean the i can totally see the movie of like the two of you being little and she's doing you know science and you're doing surveys and then you know (laughs) you meet your it's perfect i mean it's So you have like many cousins all over the place that have all of these perfect skills for the, you know, for the startup that you're building.
3: We have have one cousin and she really, (laughs) really believed in us (laughs) in the early days. And um, so, yeah, she was another one of those signals.
1: And so tell me going back to the, you know, I liked the way you you were talking in an article and you and you said, you know, strategy is sort of this intersection of business opportunity, target audience, and where culture is headed. Um, and I guess my question to you is, you know, is that sort of the formula, was that on your mind when you were thinking about getting ready to launch and building this, you know, those three things, business opportunity, target audience, where culture was headed, and how did that influence your go-to-market sort of plans?
3: It 100% was. I mean, that, yeah, that was my my role and strategy. You know, it was making sure that we were, we had a really clear understanding of the business objectives and developing the path to get there. And then serving as sort of a springboard and a sandbox for the creative team, and then making sure that that work hit their objectives while also working really closely with, you know, the CMO and marketing team and leadership team. So it was a wonderful training ground for entrepreneurship. I mm-hmm. really love research, qualitative, quantitative, ethnographic. Um, and so that, you know, has has definitely informed the approach we've taken to everything. We did a ton of consumer research and blind taste tests um, in the early days. I, Right before the pandemic, I showed up at the WeWork headquarters because we, we had some connections there. And mm-hmm. I did blind, blind taste tests with our formulation versus Oatly with like 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just did tons and tons of research. And then I think on the flip side, I – I knew what we were up against. I knew that we didn't Mm -hmm. have resources. We didn't have tons of money. We didn't have a big ad budget. And so I was looking for channels that had sort of built-in marketing. And I was really excited about offices and co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because you sell to them and you essentially get sales and sampling and brand awareness at the same time. Um, it was a really great idea, except for the fact that we were planning to start it and launch it in 50 WeWorks in March of 2020.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but I do, so that might not have been right. That might not have come to fruition, but I do think that you bring something up that's really important that I'm, I'm talking about more and more with emerging brands and, and it's this idea that there really isn't, it's not, you don't have to start at Whole Foods. There are yeah. so many people out there. As, as long as you are, like you said, as long as there's a target audience, and it should be, in my opinion, and you're the marketer by training, but I feel like the more that I know, the more targeted that target audience needs to be to really get off the ground the way that you want to. We all think target audience, Instagram, Instagram, target audience, 23 to 40 year olds who care about their health. Like, no, it's not a target audience. Like who is this person? And it feels like there are so many more channels and so many more markets and so many more routes that brands can take if they just get a little creative about it. You know, medical offices, old age homes, you know, I mean, they're, they're camps, like they're there are places where people are sticky and if they love you, they're going to tell all their friends about you and you were onto something, right? It it happened. I mean, you couldn't have predicted a pandemic or, you know, Adam Newman being a maniac, but you know, (laughs) like you did have, you were going in a zig when everyone was
0: zagging.
3: We were, we were, I mean, you know, I still, I still believe in the food service channel, um, mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly, you know. Even if, for instance, if you're looking at that channel, you might say, "Oh, the gross margin isn't as strong because uh, whether you're looking at you know, restaurants or coffee shops or offices, um, maybe the margin, you know, isn't as strong." But you're not spending tons of money on something. You're not spending for mm-hmm. trade spend. You're not spending for marketing. In fact, a lot of food service channels they're asking you for signage and they're not mm-hmm. charging you for it. They're asking you to make it with them and 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 help them sell it. And so it's, it can be really beneficial for getting volume and getting, you know, just, um, you know, everybody's getting pressure right now to have, you know, a path to profitability. Um, Whole foods might not be the pathway to profitability for every brand in the early days. Right.
1: Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back.
2: with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Christina Dordrake, CEO and
1: co-founder of Willa's. Um, Okay, so you're getting ready to launch a few things happen.
0: You're getting ready to
1: launch primarily in offices and in, um, food service. Um, you got hit with a couple of whammies here. There was a pandemic and you also had a pretty scary and not good diagnosis. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh,
3: 2020, I, I, it was a it was a nightmare that I wouldn't wish on anyone, and um, it was also probably you know a, a catalyst for more growth and more gratitude than I have ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Very complicated emotions around it, but essentially, um, in January of 2020, as we were getting ready for this big launch in offices and co working spaces and some coffee shops. Mm -hmm. I, um, thankfully my mom was always pushing me to do self exams and I wasn't as religious about it as I, I could have been, but thankfully I, I did one in December and I felt something that was just like, not what I remembered feeling before, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. really sure what I was even doing with the self exam. And Mm -hmm. I think most women don't know how to do self exams. I think all of us Mm -hmm. are just kind of like, what, but -hmm. This is just a PSA. Look up some, there's really good videos. Ask your doctor, um, do your self exams. And thankfully, um, I got in to get a mammogram and uh, I had early stage breast cancer at 36 years old with no risk factors or family history. I was completely blindsided by it.
1: Yeah. And
3: yeah. And um, this was
1: December of. 20?
3: I was diagnosed in January of
1: 2020. Wow. In so. December
3: 2019. I did my self-exam and felt something weird.
1: Right. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh.
3: January 2020. And then I started chemo, um, two weeks before the shutdown. Wow. Um, and yeah, I did chemo for five and a half months, immunotherapy, um, then had lumpectomy, lymph node ser- surgery, radiation. I worked, more than full-time through all of it on Willa's and feel really grateful that I was, I was able to do so. I, I learned so many lessons (laughs) through that time. And thankfully now I'm cancer-free and, and by the time they went in for surgery, there was almost nothing left, which means I had a really phenomenal, complete response and it's unlikely to come back. Um, so I feel a lot of gratitude now, but it was, um, it was, it was so hard. (laughs) I mean, yeah,
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I'm sorry, doesn't even begin to cover it, but I am. And that must've been terrifying. And, you know, it was also just compounded by not, you know, doctor's offices not being open and transportation being harder and the pandemic just made everything just yeah, it's scarier. scarier. Cause I, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I
3: couldn't, I couldn't really leave our apartment for anything other than um, doctors' appointments. Because if I got COVID, I wouldn't right. be able to go to the cancer center for three weeks, and I'd miss my chemo appointment. So right. we we're so scared. Um, in addition to obviously, you know, I got COVID really badly. So yeah, it was insane. My husband was working around his laptop from the car outside of the cancer center during my appointments, which I think was in many ways, much worse than what I was going through. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think what, what was the, the biggest lesson I took from it was that, you know, when I, when you're having all these treatments done to you, you feel really powerless. So I felt like I wanted Mm -hmm. to have an active role in my treatment. And there's a lot of research that suggests, um, working out after chemo can help. And, Mm. you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with eating more plant-based and and doing meditation and stuff like that. If it certainly, it certainly didn't hurt. And so, um, I was, I was like, okay, I, I'm going to take time each day for the things I need to do just to help me get through this time. Um, if I need to journal about all of the emotions I'm having right now and all the fear, if I need to do a workout every day over lunchtime, if I need to meditate to start my day, I'm going to do that because I, you know, I need to, I need to figure out how I can get through this and and launch this business in the midst of it all. And then I realized, why am I just giving myself permission to -hmm. do these things? Because I'm going through cancer treatment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, So, yeah, I guess, you know, I I, I sort of went from being somebody who, when they're feeling anxious, kind of doubles down on work and says, oh, I I don't have time for myself. And Mm -hmm. um, learning a lot about how how important that is, um, especially as an entrepreneur, when you you, you need to be there for yourself. So you can be there for your team and for the brand yeah. and, and make good decisions and difficult moments. Um, yeah.
1: So. I, don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's so interesting and I don't talk a ton about gender on the podcast because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just am a woman, I guess, but I, I do think that we have, there is just this weird fundamental misunderstanding that is burned into our brains very early on as women that our self-care, for lack of a better word, is really secondary. And that it's selfish, or it's um, lazy, or it's self-indulgent. I mean, you know everyone knows like yeah yeah, like I I, you know a massage I I would I would be like that's I'm that I'm not gonna tell people that I got a massage like that feels like really just do I think I'm Kim Kardashian like there's something so bizarre about meanwhile like in many cultures around the world that's just considered good old-fashioned move your lymph around and like get some blood flow to certain areas of your body. Like
3: it's and just a little just, taller, like, you know, and not have like, exactly like know, what, you sh- know, but, shoulders yeah. and injuries. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's and just I think really, people yeah. with entrepreneurs,
1: well, right. So that's a double compound, right? Exactly. So you take a woman who's already not, you know, not comfortable sort of taking care of herself because it's, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then you add, you know, this founder thing to it where all we do is sort of worship the hustle and the, you know, never, you know, just like I slept on the floor and I slept on the plant floor (laughs) and I didn't, I slept standing up or I didn't sleep at all. And, you know, there it just, there's, it's, it's a little ass backward. Right. And even still, I feel sort of, I talk about it. I can hear myself talking about it and hear myself, but there are times where I will be like, you took a vacation or, hmm, you want to take a Friday off? Huh. You know, and it's, it's like burned in my brain. It's so, it's, it's really unfortunate. So, I mean, you know, I don't want to like move on to the market, but you know, did you, (laughs) I guess, you know, when you were, in that period of, I guess, I mean, was it a year, 18 months, something along those lines in treatment and sort of post treatment? It, it was, you know.
3: It, you know, when you're younger and um, you get hit with this diagnosis, they, they throw everything at you. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I was, I was in what they call active treatment for basically from February through early fall and then um Mm -hmm. I and then I went into kind of the next phase which is the one I'm in now which is I'm you know I'm on a drug that does like a little extra work to help keep my cancer from ever coming back which is lucky that I have the kind of cancer that you can have a drug like that yeah Um, and yeah and but it, it but it's 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 a long haul. I mean there's there's so many different uh phases to it all. And in some ways the most difficult part is actually when you're done with the active treatments because you go from people watching on you all the time and going mm-hmm. to all these appointments and people check everything and then all of a sudden you feel like you've just been like thrown out to pasture <laughs> and yeah. nobody's looking out for you. So that yeah. it's just it was yeah, it's a long road. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times I tell my story and my friends will be like, oh, my God, I have to get a mammogram. And it's like, no, get the mammogram just because you can get more information about your body. You know, you don't right. go to the dentist and you're going to have mouth cancer. You're doing it so mm-hmm. they can tell you like, oh, there's something going on here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, I guess that's the other thing I, I would say is like, and, and and there's there's so much that they can do um, if, God forbid, you do have it and they catch it early. So, early. Yeah. yeah. All, all, all that's to say, I feel super, super fortunate, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a long haul.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: and it took a I, while I, for my I, hair to grow back too. I was doing like, inter, you know, I was doing investor meetings over zoom in a way yeah, that my hairstylist right. like literally cut on her face, looking at me on a zoom call being like, do you want it like this, like this?
1: <laughs> right. Cause I couldn't no, even I mean, go to see her. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I guess, you know, aside from the takeaway of, okay, this isn't indulgent for me to take care of myself because it's actually critical for my health, um, which is, you know, something that I think, I, I know a lot of founders that are physically and emotionally very rundown, um, you know, and I just, I guard that very ferociously, you know, I'm working really hard to relax a lot of the time, which I think might not make sense, but I mean, that I...
3: That makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Actively working to like calm my nervous system down and slow my heart rate down and all of that stuff. Um, But aside from sort of like deciding that this was not um, something that was, you know, silly, that this was actually critical to your well being, were there any other sort of takeaways in terms of the business and building the business and launching the business that you, that you came away with.
3: One was, I was talking about resilience. I think in the early days of Willis, I considered a good day as like, you know, having a really good day of sales or um, getting a a major partner on board or something like that. And Mm -hmm. now I really try to celebrate the days where, some challenge comes about, you know, every day there's like some new fire to put up and our team comes together and comes up with a really great solution and even turns that challenge into a new opportunity. And Mm. I think as an entrepreneur, the further you get down this path, or at least this is just the conversation I feel like I have a lot with, um, folks who are much further along than, than we are is that you eventually realize that every single day you're going to have really high highs and you're also yep. going to have days where you get blindsided by challenges and yep. you just have to accept that you got through the last one. So why won't you get through this one? You know? Yep. Um, the other thing it really validated for me was our commitment to using clean ingredients, to using organic ingredients. Um, conventional oats are really heavily sprayed with Glyphosate, which is Roundup, and and you know a known carcinogen, which is something I want nothing yeah, to do with. Is
1: Roundup still like what the hell? They've been talking about Roundup since Silent Spring. Like literally, I, I think I Rachel know. Carson was talking about it. I mean, God knows when, but like, what they're still spraying that, or just is that yeah. not in America, or like what in America? Oh, like, d- what?
3: definitely in America. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why we can't get past it. I have a feeling I know why. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) fair (laughs) enough. And same thing with BPA and BPS plastic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, also proven, um, super correlated to breast cancer. So, um, that's, that's something, you know, we take really, really seriously on the Willis team. We've had brands come to us saying, Hey, can we, can we buy your product? in a bag in the box. Um, so Mm -hmm. we can, you know, make it easier if we want to use it in something else. And I have not found a bag in the box that isn't BPA free or isn't Mm -hmm. just, you know, plastic that is not recyclable. So Mm -hmm. I, if there's anyone out there looking to innovate around packaging, please do. (laughs) But, um, it's just, it just really validated our commitment to, um, using clean ingredients and wholesome ingredients and ensuring that, our decisions are guided by our values and, and everything we do has to live up to my grandmother's name.
1: Aww, I, which is such a beautiful name too. I love the name Willa, by the way. So going back to, you know, I remember, I think you probably know if you've listened to this, I've had Mike Smith on. He's a, a wonderful guy. And Haven's Kitchen was actually one of the first cafes in New York to have Oatly. And I remember when there was like people were offering my baristas $50 for one of our oatleys because wow. they couldn't get it. And it was like the great oat milk run of like 2016 or something. There was like some sort of crazy situation, but you knew you were going up against, you know, everyone from Oatly to Califia to all of the different, you know, regional brands and, and the, the big brands that were coming out with their own oat milks and, I don't know a lot about the category, but I do know that, um, it's got some heavy hitters with some deep pockets and going back to, you know, your salesman husband and, you know, you thinking about route to market aside from the food service and the office plan, like how did you think about taking them on? Like, were your goals to just, okay, it's big. And if we can just take a little bit of share, we're in good shape. Um, Were you trying to think of maybe we're going to try to position ourselves really differently from them? You know, how were you just, you know, I ask this mostly because for us, we've never had that slide of like, here are the other brands that are doing what we're doing. And here's like a little checklist of what makes us different because we've never had Anyone else doing what we're doing, which sounds fun, but it's actually quite challenging. Um, So we didn't really have any different set of
3: problems, right? Different set of challenges,
1: (laughs) exactly. Um, So I'm just curious, like what what did that page in your deck look like to you, or like what was your sales plan looking like to you, knowing sort of the the way that the market looked.
3: We, we have never tried to be an Oatly copycat. And, you know, we always said that our values guide everything that we do. And as a result, you know, using the whole, oat, using wholesome ingredients, we just have a completely different taste profile, nutritional profile, story, um, packaging, um, you know, while there, there seems to be a lot of... Um, conversation about similarities between a lot of different plant-based milks or 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 common common themes Mm -hmm. willis is really kind of in a in a category of its own and i think Mm -hmm. that that was huge for us at the same time we didn't know that the consumer was going to follow the same path that we were headed i remember having a conversation with a friend in 2019 and she said well i'm vegan and i actually don't really care what ingredients are in the food I eat, as long as it doesn't have any animal, um, you know, it it Mm -hmm. doesn't have any connections to an animal. And I was like terrified when I heard that because I thought, Oh my gosh, this, this whole, you know, belief in going more plant-based just heads in the direction of, you know, say the impossible where, um, Willis is, is, isn't particularly relevant. And I wasn't really interested in creating a brand that just kind of, Put its values aside and stop caring about health of, you know, people and the planet. So, um, you know, in many ways, we were we were making a bet on the consumer kind of following along in the direction we were headed. In terms of sales and and piece of the pie, um, you know, as a small brand who wasn't intending to raise a ton of money early on, we knew that we were going for a small piece of the pie. But Mm -hmm. everywhere, every new channel that we go in, every retailer we go in, we always want to win. And we've even said no to a few big deals where it just didn't make sense from a margin standpoint or the amount of support it would require would be so detrimental to our bottom line that it just couldn't possibly make sense. Um, So, yeah, we've just always focused on doing what is right for Willa's, focusing on using the whole of every ingredient we can and creating a really strong platform and foundation for the brand um, that can thrive in in good times and in bad times and, and really live up to its promise.
1: There are two things that you said that I want to pull on the strings of a little bit. One is sort of this return to what the natural and organic and better for you food movement used to be. Um, And, you know, I wasn't at Expo West in 1995 or whatever, when people talk about, you know, I've been going to Expo West for 120 years and it was (laughs) brands and and a kombucha that someone made in their, you know, their garage. So, but you know, I did, I, when I first went to Expo West a couple of years ago, this was, I guess, 28, 2019, I was really confused. I just, I was like, wait, this is the natural and organic, better for you, natural foods industry. Like what, some of these products, there's nothing natural about them. Like I don't, this is not what I learned was, you know, better for you. And I think that there was this, this like, because, and tell me if maybe I'm, it seemed to me like the amount of money that kind of came into the industry so quickly and financed these, you know, quote unquote food tech businesses that were making alternatives that, just had ingredient panels that were like bizarre with ingredients that, you know, are bizarre. Um, And, you know, all the different types of sugar that now everyone's starting to be like, well, maybe cane sugar actually isn't the worst of all of them. You know I mean?
3: Maybe there's a reason why it's been around so long.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, do you feel like maybe part of what's happening because Maybe the money is kind of slowing down and the, you know, the like rocket ships and we're a tech company, not a food company kind of banter is slowing down. Maybe there is this like return back a little bit to this core group of people who really want to eat better for you things that are also better for the environment and potentially going back to some of those investors who – were there in the first place like has that been an experience for you
3: yeah i hadn't even considered that it might have so much to do with um with venture and and, yeah food tech um that'll that that makes a lot of sense to me i think that's a really interesting insight i think additionally consumers didn't have a lot of options for a while and now they have more options for for example, in the plant-based milk category, it used to be that you were lucky if there was even a, a, any option at all, especially at a coffee mm-hmm. shop or, or an office place. And yeah. I think now we've gone from you know feeling like oh you should just be lucky that there you know that there's something plant-based and there's an alternative for you that might be a little bit less bad in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. or not. And whether or not it's actually made of plants, let's just not mm-hmm. talk about that. And now, now it seems like consumers, you know, they're just taking a much closer look, and they're asking, you know, does this actually give me the benefits that it's supposed to? If if eating more plant based is supposed to have all these health benefits and nutritional benefits, shouldn't I be able to see those on the ingredients and and the packaging? And I think, yeah, maybe it's just happening on on all sides right now. Which, um, I mean. Makes me really excited for for all of the founders that are finding ways to use real, honest plant based yeah. ingredients and make delicious food with them. And, and it beverages.
1: does take a little longer to scale it, and it takes a little longer to build it because they're those it's not necessarily as splashy. It's going to be more premium. It's going to be, you know, a smaller group at first because it always is with, you know, sort of these innovative, really like when, when things are actually made to be better for you, you know, whether it's yogurt or, you know, cheese or whatever it is. Um, The other piece that I thought was interesting is, you know, a lot of There is a lot of talk these days about, you know, everyone who's listened to this podcast knows that like everyone who's ever said anything is like core then more, build it slowly, don't go too quickly, don't, you know, know how to say no, you know, all of that. Um, But it's really hard. And it's also, I don't think that a lot of emerging brands, and this is just a hunch, maybe this is just because I didn't. The margin on, cause you said something really interesting, like there's the margin, but then there's the, what's it going to take to keep us going there? So even if you figure out, you know, I have to give this, this customer, you know, an EDLP or whatever it is. Okay. So now I know the margin. It's not exactly what I want it to be, but it's fine. Usually with accounts like that, that's just the beginning of where you're spending And then you have your distributor OIs, but then you also have, you know, programs that you need to do with that retailer. And then inevitably, if it's not a great fit, at least on, I mean, maybe not for you, but for us, we spoil out if we don't sell out and then we're paying for that. So I think, you know, everyone just as you're listening, you know, I've said this kind of before, but this whole sort of like. It really is a time to look at every account. And some of them are going to be big top line numbers. But when you look at what you actually end up taking home and spending, you might be losing money on that account. So is there a way that you, you know, you look at that going in? You know, it sounds like you're kind of eyes wide yeah. open and that you have said no. Like, how, how would you advise someone to do that, to just make that I mean, analysis?
3: It's it's hard work. In all transparency, the weekend before this past weekend, Elena and I, while Rusty worked on a separate project, we spent an entire weekend running the numbers on all of our distributors, as well as some of the uh, future, you know, plans that we have, and looking at it both from a gross margin and contribution margin perspective, as well as what does it mean if we hire a merchandising team? What does it mean if we have to, you know, all this additional marketing that we think they're going to ask for, or we mm-hmm. heard from you know another founder friend that that that's going to be you know a right. requirement. What does it mean if um, you know, say it's say it's a, a university and they're like, yeah, we want we want to do this deal with you, but we want you to come over every week and do sampling, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like so just and just like figuring means? out what is next? because it's 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 pretty astounding how you might think a certain channel looks amazing. And then you look at the end of the day and you're like, Oh no, actually the bigger that channel gets, the more we're hemorrhaging cash. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that like, you know, it's super fun to spend your Saturday and Sunday running these numbers. But um, I do believe that when you do it, you learn so much about your business and you just feel so much more confident and clear headed yeah. about what your plan is and what makes sense for you. And Um, Because everybody's got advice, but the numbers also have to
1: speak for themselves. No, I agree. And I think it's, I, you know, we all, you know, most of the founders that I'm talking to right now are just, you know, even the ones, you know, some of us are, we're having our best sales months ever, right? Or we're opening new doors or whatever it is. But everyone's worried about cash, except for the people who fundraised last year, basically. And, you know, you can have your best sales year ever and run out of cash. I mean, that it sounds almost counterintuitive, but it's a very real reality for especially you know, in CPG. <laughs> I mean, primarily in this business, and yeah. and that's why it always goes back to, you know, if you're starting and I go back, it's, I feel like Marsha, 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 but it's like margin, margin, margin. Right? The the higher that you start, the kind of safer you are with all of these things nipping at it. And, you know, honestly, my old financial folks never spoke about contribution margin ever. It was always about, you know, product margin and gross margin. I never even knew what contribution margin was until, you know, we brought in Amplify, this, our, like our CFO that we're working with now. And because we've always had a really strong product margin and always had a really good gross margin. So I was like, wow, we're great. You know, and he's like, "Well, then there's this, <laughs> you know, this other
3: thing <laughs> that
1: gets, you know, kind of subtracted in there." Um, so, you know, this is just like we need to be literate about these things. And I'm, I, you know, my eyes start to glaze over when we're talking about Excel and contracts and stuff like that. But if your eyes glaze over, then bring someone onto your team or like make sure that you have people that will sit with you for eight hours on a Saturday and just figure it out and then leave. I mean, the great news is, is the channels that work. And I really, this is true. I feel like in life and in, and in business, when there is alignment, it's easy. You know, there's when you don't have to force the puzzle piece into the puzzle and be like, it's fine. There's a straight (laughs) edge here. Like, I'm sure this is just (laughs) fine. Like, you know because we all want to do that, you know, but we've then you're all, like pushing it in, in that yeah.
3: mode before, yeah. And then
1: when you try to pull the puzzle piece out, it kind of like sticks and it gets like it, it's like annoying, and then you rip the paper a little bit and you're like, ah, oh, shoot, you know, kind of messed that up. Or
3: you go to sleep at night goes, and you're like afraid right. that XYZ might not work exactly perfectly mm-hmm. to plan, and now you're just stressed about all of the reasons why that puzzle piece might
1: not stay jammed in there perfectly. Right. I mean, so, and and it's like, if it's meant to fit in there, it's going to glide in. And, you know, that might mean that, you know, I, I think one thing that I'm learning pretty quickly is my fresh sauce in a pouch doesn't glide in to every single grocery store in America's produce set. It just doesn't. And, I've got to be okay with that, either readjusting the expectations on it or innovating where it does, but trying to fit my pouch, let's say into Walmart would be a big mistake just knowing Mm -hmm. what I know. And it has really nothing to do with, you know, exactly the cost of making it. It has to do with everything else on top of that, you know, what, 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 This pouch will do in that channel. And I I think the more that we can kind of sit down with ourselves and hopefully with investors who understand if you have them in there and with people who get it, and you can figure out what's flowing, you know, fish where the fish are. This is a channel that's working for us. We're up whatever percent at this market. Let's really lean in and make it up even more. Have we even capped out on our velocity? Like, we're selling eight pouches a week here could we sell 12 could we sell 16 you know and I think that's yeah. the strategy work that we're all kind of scared to do but we need to do
3: and it can be such an opportunity for creativity you know mm-hmm. I think that's what I I, I I sometimes will get into a mode of like oh well clearly this isn't going to work and oh so frustrating and then you know Thankfully, I feel like my co-founders and I like take turns having like high anxiety moments and someone else mm-hmm. will be like, well, wait, well, what if we, what if we rethought the packaging right. this way? Or what if we rethought right. it doesn't this have piece to of the be formulation? So binary.
1: Or, yep. Yep. Yeah,
3: exactly. And then sometimes it's like, you just need somebody else to kind of pull your head out of the weeds and be like, wait, but remember, like creativity is why we're doing this because we want mm-hmm. to create new things. So like, right. let's embrace the constraints we have and see if we can come up with some cool new way. To, to,
1: go about it. Yeah. I mean, I think something you said earlier on about, you know, every day, you know, I don't know, my nervous system is definitely a little shot. I gotta say, I mean, you know, and we, I think <laughs> <as> sounders, we're, <laughs> we're, we're a little lie. addicted. Yeah. I mean, we, we, there's, we're doing this because, you know, I always say like for someone who actually likes quiet and like calm I have chosen a very strange route Um, (laughs) because, you know, yeah, it's really fun. You get these dopamine hits of like, oh my gosh, someone just reached out or look at this or, you know, this buyer just followed me on LinkedIn or whatever the hell it is, you know, and then you get this (laughs) like, we're sorry, but it's just, you know, not going to work or we're not even resetting until 2025 or,
3: you know, we're pushing our review at another year. Yeah, yeah, we you know, it another year.
1: Or yeah. you know, I mean, there. I I think I I might have said this yesterday. Like, there's a macruit lime leaf shortage because of the California rains. Like, I I don't even know what to say about that. You know, it, like it's there was right. a mirin shortage last year. I keep you know. It, it, I feel like
3: we had the worst oat crop since 1866 <laughs> a year ago because of because of climate change. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like,
1: I know, well, since 1866,
3: I mean... Yes, yeah, which is really just how far back the records go.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. That's the first year they were like, oh, crop. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so, but, you know, I think your 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 method of trying to... You know, I also get very much like, all right. Well, then I might as well just sell the whole farm and move to a yurt, and you know, I don't need this. <laughs> this
3: is, yeah, this product yeah, is dead in the water, and right, everything is you know. The worst and, and yeah, I've yeah. I've led
1: all these people down a, down to a, a, a river that's dry, and you know, I should just go. You know, I don't know.
3: I feel like my, my anxiety, like it can either be so helpful because in this business, there's so many things that can go wrong, right? <laughs> but at the same time, it's very easy to get into that spot that you're describing where you're like, oh, well, this is just a sign that, you know, I, I, there's another blow coming, you know what yeah. I mean? Like,
1: yeah, of <laughs> course. And I think also it's kind of like the flip side of our dedication and passion and, choosing to, to build something that did not exist before is that we feel like if we don't make it happen, if we don't push this puzzle piece into the puzzle, it will never be a puzzle and letting it just kind of, you know, flow a little more, um, you know, is part of the, the lesson, I think, um, you know, yeah, and, and, and knowing that
3: there's so much out of your control and you might just have to like, yeah, figure out where the flow is going, you yeah. know? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I think building a good flow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, have, I always try to like think of the name as I'm um, as we're talking, but I have a few ideas. OK, before we go, um, because I know Liam has to go and do another recording. Um, last question just tell me how you made that chocolate milk so absolutely friggin' delicious because it is uh, amazing. Like, what, did you just well, blend you. chocolate bars with like your delicious creamy oat milk and it just tastes like? Oh,
3: I wish it was. Lemon? I wish it were that easy. That was actually one right. that was not not easy to get right. Um, my mom does a lot of the formulating with my sister. My mom is sort of the the the, the the keeper Willa's recipes and the creator of many of them. And then my sister scales them up and she had to do so many versions of it because we wanted to use this beautiful single origin, Peruvian cacao. And we wanted to preserve the quality of the, the taste of the chocolate, but we also needed to balance the bitterness with the sweetness of the maple sugar. Right. Well, not turning it into a sugar bomb because I was like, well, yeah. when, what's the point if it's, you know, 20 grams of sugar, we want to be at least half of that. Right. And so, um, it was, yeah, we did so much consumer testing of different versions of it with kids. And, um, so I, it, it's, it it's feels amazing. so good to hear that you say you love it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everyone needs to go to where you want people to go. Willis.com. You yep go to or,
3: williskitchen. like, yep, williskitchen.com um, and, and,
1: and get feel the free to
3: use, you know, Willis <laughs> friends or, or Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, that product is up for a
1: good food award. We're so excited. Oh, it's so good. Um, Christina, thank you so much. I could have talked to you for hours, but um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I'm so glad that you're healthy. And I just send all of my good whole oat vibes to you. Just (laughs) stay healthy, be well. You're building something really beautiful. And Liam, thank you so much. Sorry about my timing. Um, And I always appreciate you and your expert engineering. And listeners, I'm going to make it quick. I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.